there does exist a film called Alien Tampon. Is that the one with the wings? <laughs> That's it's an entirely different product, actually. I'm the guy who's comfortable talking about menstruation. <laughs> you can write in any reason for women to be barely dressed. It is a constant fear of girls everywhere. Yeah. And boy, does it happen perfectly in this movie. Okay, so right here, if we were still doing the Fright Club hits, the music... We would be queuing up Alice Cooper's Only Women Bleed. <laughs> so just hum that amongst yourselves. <laughs> or maybe, what else? You 2 Sunday Bloody Sunday. Right. Let it bleed. Let it, oh, let it bleed the stones. Nice. So uh, we had some nice ones to choose from today, but uh, no, can't do it. Just think it in your head because it works of our subject today. And we will get to that. Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. Back in the studio uh, this week, uh, last time, we were live at the Gateway Film Center, and we want to say thanks for that great crowd. That was fun. It was fun. It was fun. We'd had a mix-up a couple of months in a row where I thought we were showing Black Sheep because <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to my own scheduling. We finally <laughs> got to show it, and we talked about mutant animals, and it was, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, I was really glad for the turnout that one because not only because i guess of the movie but more because of the scheduling mix-up i wasn't sure how the turnout mm -hmm, would be mm -hmm. but it's so fun it, yeah you know and we do hear from people from time to time to say you know i want to come to your fright club but i'm not the big, you know <laughs> you know and that's okay no i know they're yeah. always afraid it's going to be martyrs again or something like that and, <laughs> and it is it often is yeah. something yeah yeah but when you give them something like that, something fun. light and yeah. funny, uh, but still, you know. Gross. Gross. Yeah. Funny, bloody. I'm glad to see people come out, and they really enjoyed it. And uh, also, thanks to Jenny. We heard from Jenny, who lives uh, in California and can't make it out to uh, the actual Fright Club Live. But, but we know she was listening because she watched Isolation, yeah. and I'd love to hear what she thought about it, actually. Exactly. Love to hear what all of you thought about any of those movies. Um, always uh, Fright Club Pod on, uh, on Twitter. So anyway, thank you so much for the crowd. I had a great time. Uh, we'll be back there for the next Fright Club Live, the December edition, coming up on Wednesday, December 12th. We are going to watch Man Bites Dog. That is a genius film. Yeah. It's a gorgeous black and white movie. Uh, and what we're going to do is talk about uh, the podcast will be about films from the mind of the madman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we already know from the crowd at the last one for Black Sheep, the DZAC, who's, a, who's a regular Fright Clubber, uh, can't make it, and he's mad because yeah. we're showing mad by Because he dog. has to go to Texas every so often, yeah. and, and periodically he has to miss a Fright Club, so... Yeah, so make that if you can. Um, that's coming up December 9th. And also, we just everybody just had the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Hope you enjoyed it with family and friends and, and uh, football teams beating up on other football teams. Ohio <laughs> <coughs> State! Um, you know, I hope everybody's <laughs> Saturday game day was as happy as ours was. But also a big thank you to uh, Phantom Dark Dave of Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. He had a Thanksgiving episode and gave us a very nice shout out and a very nice thank you. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, we were really honored by that. It was a lovely, it was lovely it what was. he said. And we're yeah. very happy that he is podcasting because yes. he does a great job and you yes. guys should listen. Exactly. So thank you so much for that shout out. So uh, as we alluded to with our imaginary musical choices... We've got a uh, extra bloody subject this week <laughs> on Fright Club, and of course, it was not my idea. <laughs> what? This wasn't your idea? That's right. We're going to do a podcast about horror films that revolve around menstruation. <laughs> because, because why not? You know what it makes me think of right away? That old episode of um, Kids in the Hall. 
Oh, where yes. uh, Dave Foley is like, I'm the guy who's comfortable talking about menstruation. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> That's right. I'm the guy. The guy with a good attitude towards menstruation. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask, what what led you to this idea? Yeah. Well, actually, it was that time we were sitting in Subway. And uh, because, as you know, and people who listen may know, periodically, I'll just get an idea in my head and think, if immediately I can think of five movies that I like that involve this, it's a podcast topic. Did you catch that she said periodically? <laughs> that was comedy <laughs> genius. <laughs> and But we have. I mean, see, we've done them on weird topics before, on death and sex, on sex, sex and, and death, death <laughs> on uh, pooping. So I thought, you know what? We're just going to do this one. Why not? It's but your, but you the know. other thing is that while there are several that we've talked about before in this list. There are a couple that we've never gotten a chance to talk about, so I'm excited about that, too. Yeah, there are definitely a couple that we haven't, and, and, and at least one that we've talked about, well, two that we've talked about a lot, but that's okay, because it definitely fits in with this category. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll slowly, I guess, make it through your entire Subway <laughs> subway napkin list. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get to the five, and we have five, uh, there's a few... That didn't make the cut, and one that we we tried because we had not heard of this movie. We heard about it, we tried to watch it, and I'm sorry, it's uh, it's awful, and it didn't make the list. But no. there's, a, there's a couple others that didn't quite cut it. Yeah, uh, so Tonight She Comes was the one that we um, we gave a shot to, and it was just not, no. Um, and then the other one, so just so you know, there does exist a film called Alien Tampon, and that's as far as we're going to go with Alien that. Tampon. Yes. Is that the one with the wings? <laughs> That's it's an entirely different product, actually. But, oh, you mean that? Because that would be really uncomfortable. Ads are lying to me. No, it's a different product. <laughs> I'm not the demographic, okay? Um, and you also have it down here. There's on the list. a scene. Yeah, right. You know, there's a scene, and and that's the thing too, because there's another one that that has a scene uh, called "We Are the Flesh." And, oh, uh, yeah. But, but uh, honestly, there are enough of these movies where um, it's it's more than just sort of. For a moment's discomfort, you know, I mean, there, it's it's more integrated into the the, the topic of the film. They're just used as more of a narrative device. So we right. focused on those. Although it, as you should just always watch it. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's a great movie, yeah. and it's a it's a very moving scene. It is. It, is. it really it, is. Yeah. It, it definitely um, is. Yeah. And where the flesh, as is nearly every scene in that film, it's kind of gross. It's a kind of a gross <laughs> scene. So. And we were just talking. We have that on the list for a future Fright Club Live. Yes, we are going Ooh, to do that for Fright Club Live. That's, so that's, bring your moms. Yeah, that's not for the <laughs> uh, comedy horror, you know, uh, crowd. That's no. one. Woo, we're in for a time with that one. Well, the, the, the podcast topic is body fluids. Oh, and there's plenty of them <laughs> in that one. So, But that's for another day. Today, it's talking about menstruation because it is indeed. we're comfortable talking about it because I'm the guy that's comfortable talking about it and I learned it through kids in the hall. All right, so we'll start with a movie from just a couple of years ago, 2016, in the throes of a zombie apocalypse, a troubled woman from Las Vegas with a dark past finds herself stranded in the desert with a lone and ravenous zombie on her tail. It stains the sand red. Jimmy, can you hear me? It's Nick. Can you hear me, man? Better get here fast or we're leaving without you. Just please, wait. Leave me alone! I'm gonna kill you! 
first of all, I, I love the title of this movie. That's it's a great title. That's a cool it title. Is. It is. Uh, because you're like, ooh, it stains the sand. So right away you're thinking, I have a guess what stains the sand red. <laughs> and it reminds me of the ones that we've talked about with snow. You yeah. know, how you get that uh, juxtaposition of bright blood mm-hmm. on the snow. Mm-hmm. It kind of works with sand, yeah. not quite as a contrast, but still quite as much of a contrast, but it works. Yeah, it does. It does. And oddly enough, the movie that this film reminds me the most of is Tom Hanks' Castaway. Okay. Um, because the, the majority of this film, the woman, uh, uh, her name's Molly, she's played by Brittany Allen, who is absolutely brilliant in this film. She is alone, and she's trying to survive basically this this desert walk on foot so that she can get to an airstrip where she's going to be allegedly, you know, transported to safety. Right. But she is being followed by a zombie. And she eventually, because at first she's quite terrified by him, eventually she kind of figures out how to stay far enough ahead. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, and eventually she just starts talking to him because she's alone for all of this I long gotcha. time. And he becomes Wilson. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Now, that didn't occur to me, but the things that it did remind me of because of the following, was It Follows, mm-hmm. because it's very relentless. And it also, because of the desert, reminded me of revenge. Sure. You're out there with one yeah. woman yeah. Uh, out in the desert trying to survive. Yeah. So, But I, I, I see the castaway yeah. there. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The other thing that it made me think of right away, the first time I read Max Brooks's um, uh, uh, zombie books, Yes. Um, you know, zombie movies, especially the traditional slow-moving zombie type, you know, it sometimes can be hard to find them scary because you figure, well, unless I'm in a a small space with a whole bunch of them, I can outrun them. But one of the things that Max Brooks points out is they don't sleep, (laughs) and so they're constantly moving towards you like it follows, Uh right? And so this makes good... Takes good advantage of that. I mean, and it's and the other thing. I mean, the re, and there is a point in the film where she tries to distract him basically by throwing a tampon in a different direction to sort of so that he's the scent of blood takes him away from her, uh, and that's how this works out. That's how it made it onto this list. But the whole move that is like a, a really great element of a movie that looks at the entire situation of the zombie apocalypse. From the point of view of a woman. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is interesting, not just about this film, but honestly, every single movie on this list was written and directed by a man. And I find that a little bit fascinating. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, this this character, she's, you know, kind of a damaged woman. And so, and actually, I appreciate that as well, because you don't really judge her. She's got a past that's dogging her, but she's clearly a survivor. And they really, I mean, they're, I mean she gets herself in... Because of the circumstances, the apocalypse, she finds herself in situations where she's more vulnerable because she's a female, but she is a survivor. I really like that element throughout and the fact that she uses something so primally female to her advantage, I also appreciated. But it is interesting that when you mention that about being written and directed by a man, when you look at it in in comparison to, say, revenge by a woman— You have to admit the gaze of the camera on this woman is very is a lot more male oriented. It is. I don't. I mean, to me, it wasn't that problematically no, so. No, it wasn't because really bad. of uh, before a couple of reasons. One was because of the the character who she is. She's she's a Vegas nightlife female, right? Probably a stripper, mm-hmm. and she is. She basically got a lift. Right. Because of the guy who runs the club where she works happens to be the guy she's boning. And so he's going to take her with him to this airstrip. And the only reason that the people in the airstrip are waiting is because they think he's still there and he's not. 
and so I think for that reason, part of it, I, I mean, you can write in any reason for women to be barely dressed. That movie that we just tried to watch, for no good reason uh-huh. whatsoever, yeah. the one, uh, Tonight She, she Tonight Comes. She comes. Yeah. The two females show up at this campground and then lay out in bathing suits. It, it, it's clearly late autumn because there are no leaves on the trees anywhere. And everybody else has toboggans on. Right. And, and, and not only that do they lay out, but they are, it, it takes two seconds for them to playfully take each other's tops off. Right. And and yeah. so, uh, yeah, you can write it in some <laughs> excuse for the female in your in your film to be scantily clad. Yes. I understand that. Yes. But I do think that um, in this particular case... The fact that she is probably a stripper, you're not really sure exactly which is in the nightclub. The nightclub. Um, the fact she's a damaged person, and that, that it really is a big part of it. And also, and I don't mean this in any kind of a rude way, um, Brittany Allen is not a traditional stunner. Like, for example, the woman who stars in Revenge. Right. She's hard looking. She. Mm-hmm. Looks a little like bit the, more like the damaged woman who maybe found herself as a stripper in gotcha. a nightclub. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I appreciate that as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it's, uh, it stains the sands red from 2016, number five, on her menstruation list. Moving up to number four, a favorite. We've talked about it a few times. We'll return to it in 2003. A family is haunted by the tragedies of deaths within the family. A tale of two sisters. <laughs> We showed this at Fright Club Live a few months ago, oh, yeah. which was awesome, because if you ever get a chance to see it on the big screen, please take that chance, because it is gorgeous it to is look so at. It is so beautiful. The colors just pop. It, it's so it's, it's so you know structured for a big screen, and it can really be appreciated. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you have to watch it on the small yeah. screen, do that. Do that. Do that. It is a, it is a Korean film. Uh, Ji Woon Kim, who also did I Saw the Devil, which we have also programmed yeah. because we are huge fans of his work. Yes. Um, and one of the things, and I've said this before, that I, I, I appreciate if you, about those two films. Uh, I Saw the Devil is such a masculine film. Um, and A Tale of Two Sisters is a very female-centric film, uh-huh. which, again, is one of the reasons why. Um, and there's it's just a one quick scene where one of the characters finds she... She doesn't have any supplies, but she's on her period. What's she going to do? And and the the way that it's handled, not only forgive me for saying this, is it a clever concept for a guy to have written? <laughs> because I didn't realize guys were aware of this, but also because of the way that the this sort of the characters, the ambiguity at where one character ends and another begins. This is really the first scene where you start to realize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's done incredibly well in several different for several different reasons, and it's also just as you said, it's it's just one of the greatest movies, honestly, ever to come out of Korea. Yeah, and it was when it was first released, uh, two thousand three. It quickly became both the highest grossing Korean horror film of all time, and also I believe the first one to be screened in American theaters. So it it blazed. Some trails yes. there when it came out in 2003 because it was so, so well done. And it's nice to see a director that talented, you know, start making his way toward the other markets, you know, yeah. especially like Mary, because like you said, we love this one. We love I Saw the Devil right. for, for very, very it's, different it's reasons. So this one, Tell Two Sisters, was remade, you know, an English language version. It was terrible. I hope no one saw it. It's called The Uninvited. And, and when we showed I Saw the Devil... You could find a version of it on IMDb where it was in development in American, but that's kind of dropped off. It doesn't have a release yeah. date anymore. So I'm hoping they don't remake it, to be honest with you, because that's a brutal 
two and a half hour cat and mouse chase. And I have the feeling that, you know, like old boy, it would be neutered beyond recognition yeah. by an American, by a Hollywood audience. So well, I'm a, a Hollywood filmmaker. So I hope it doesn't get made. Well, unfortunately, we have like old boy, a few bits of evidence to, you know, lead us to think that that would happen. Oh, sure. You know, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's in, this movie inspired by a famous Korean folk tale, mm-hmm. and it's been adapted to film several times, but this one is not a remake of any of them, and it's his, his own original project. So it's a different take on this folk tale that's, that's, been, uh, that's been done many times. But uh, and then, as you said, remade into the uninvited. Is that the that's the one with Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks? Banks. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too good. No, it was awful. No, especially compared with this one. Um, and it's it's two thousand three. And yeah, so like you mentioned, it's not that this entire film in any way revolves around menstruation, but oh, no. the fact that you put it on this list was for that clever way that it's weaved into the the narrative. The the narrative that is beginning to end so female centric. So. Truly female centric from the point of view of female characters uh, to the to the fact that it is it is uh, it's a fairy tale. You know, I mean, everything about it, especially if you think if you, for me, just the fact that then his next film was so male centric in the same way from male perspectives. And and so I just thought that. But mainly, yes, the Pl- way it's used is very clever. Plus, in the one scene, the scene where uh, blood starts pouring down her legs and then you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but the way that scene plays out foreshadows yes. uh, things that come later, yeah. which, again, we're not going to spoil anything, but it's a nice bit of foreshadowing yes. as well. Yeah, it's incredibly well used. Yeah, it is. And that's from A Tale of Two Sisters, number four on our list this week. Moving up to number three, this is one you were talking about that we have not talked about. Correct. Uh, as a, In addition to It Stains the Sands Red, which we haven't talked about before, right? Nope. So this not. is the other one. So exciting. Just uh, from 2012, a disturbed and delusional high school student with aspirations of a career in medicine goes to extremes to earn the approval of her controlling mother. It's called excision. Dear God, my little sister is slowly dying. And my mom, as I'm sure you know, is a total bitch. Chew with your mouth closed. I'm planning on having premarital sex. I'd accept full responsibility for all my actions. But let's face it, you gave me hormones. It's not my fault I was born with a chemical imbalance. Some of your behavior has been downright sociopathic. I'm turning my life around. I realize it's not all about me anymore. Okay, the first thing about this movie is we're not saying that Excision is a better movie than A Tale of Two Sisters. It's just that the topic this week plays a much bigger role in the entire movie. Yes. Let's get that out there right now. Yes. Yeah, because, I mean, Excision is a great movie. It is. And we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it, so I was excited to get to add it to the list. But A Tale of Two Sisters is a full-blown masterpiece. Yeah, it's great. Um, And Excision is a fun and well-made horror film. You know what's fun about this one? If you haven't seen it, and you do, you'll recognize some famous faces in the cast. They're like, oh, there's Malcolm McDowell. John Waters. John Waters. Tracy Lords. And also... Uh, a young actress who's become pretty famous here in the last few years from Modern Family, Ariel Winter, mm. is in this as well. So there's some there's some uh, very familiar faces, but the the main driving point of this movie, the main star, is Anna Lynn McCord, who's amazing. She's amazing. She goes, yeah, like the character, she goes to extremes. Even shaving her head, she actually yeah. did shave her head for this. So she was all in, and you can tell it's a very committed performance. Yes, it is. She plays a high school student who's not a good student, 
who's more of an outsider than what we normally get a chance to see. Really a budding sociopath, clearly. (laughs) Um, And she really has a fascination with blood. Yeah, and that's the fascinating thing about the character and shows the effectiveness of her performance because you take that arc, that character arc, from outcast to psychopath. Yeah. You know, and she makes it believable. Yes, and she like, does. yeah, I'm I'm scared of that person. Right. right there. <laughs> yeah. Um and Tracy Lord, you know, it's she is hers is not a cameo. She plays the she plays right. the two girls' mom. So Ariel Winter plays Pauline's sister Grace. And she's uh she's ill. And she's also the the better daughter. She's the one they like better, and she's the one they Clearly. should like better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she also, she loves her sister, regardless of the fact that her sister Pauline is nuts and is, you know, a pariah in the community and in the school where they go. But um, uh, Tracy Lorch plays their mom, and so, and it isn't a small role. She does a great job. And it is the case in, in a lot of films that focus on an adolescent female. The mom plays a major role in what's going on in this girl's life. Well, you know what? It's gonna. It reminds me of the movie we're going to talk about next, yes. the mom character. But yeah. yes, go on. No, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was just thinking. Um, um, so, so the menstruation part. Uh, you know, uh, Pauline decides that she's she's just ready. It's time for her to lose her virginity, and that whole part is very interesting. The way she picks the person who's going to be the guy, even though he doesn't. They're not dating. He doesn't like her. But his girlfriend doesn't want to have sex, and she overhears the conversation. So she's like, hey, I will. And, uh, and it, I mean, the whole transaction is fascinating. And unbeknownst to him, she decides. I mean, she chooses a date knowing full well she's going to be in her period because that's what she wants to do because she – it's fascinating. <laughs> and it's just – it's fairly early in the film, but it gives you, like, a real glimpse into this girl's headspace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, again, no spoilers, uh, but if you look at the title – of the movie, yeah. it might lead you to think, what is being excised? Yeah. Um, think about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, eventually, we're going to do a podcast on um, involuntary surgery, and yeah. this will probably make that list as well. Is that on the subway napkin? <laughs> it's going to be, if that's going to be added to the list. So, yeah, uh, one you might want to check out, Not even though it's only, what, six years old, didn't get a lot of uh, lot of coverage, no. I don't think. No, uh, That one. So we're just making the list this week. Excision. A bloody mess. A bloody mess. That was the tagline, or it should have been. <laughs> All right, let's move up to number two, one we've talked about a few times. So it's a favorite. Back to 2000 for the story of two death-obsessed sisters, outcasts in their suburban neighborhood, having to deal with the tragic consequences when one of them is bitten by a werewolf. Ginger snaps. All it takes is one night and one bite. Let's get out of here. Ginger's changing. How do you feel? Wicked. being normal teenage girls. Well, if you're a regular Fright Club listener, and we hope you are, you know this one was going to be on the list because every time we talked about it, we talked about how 
it does. It's a great metaphor for the curse. Yep. Quote, quote, the curse. And that's what we're talking about, I guess, the curse this week. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the reasons I love this movie, and actually we've had listeners go, all right, enough with ginger snaps. Because <laughs> I do. I, I mean, we've shown this as well. This is a favorite of mine. And yep. one of the reasons that I like it is because so often when, um, you know, uh, sort of adolescence, there's a horror uh, a metaphor, right? Guys are lycanthropes and girls are vampires. I love that this movie, which was written by a woman, actually, so I take back what I said earlier. Karen Walton wrote this, although John Fossett directed it. Karen Walton, Karen Walton said, no, no, the lycanthropy actually is a great metaphor for anybody's adolescence. And it's a really good metaphor for a, a female Especially the way she sets it up, because on the night of Ginger's first period, she gets bitten by a werewolf, and so yeah, you do get that. It's a monthly curse, and yeah. that's that's the that is the the, the structure of the entire film. It's a perfect metaphor, and actually, Karen Walton has said that she was she wasn't really a a one that was a fan or worked in horror, and she said one of the reasons for that was was because of the reputation of horror for negatively portraying women. Sure. So this is a perfect way to find that picture-perfect metaphor, and then working with John Fawcett, the director, who convinced her that, you know, he was all in on breaking those cliches and wanted to work with her to try to get around that. And they and they do that. Oh, they do. Yeah. They absolutely do. And and the two performances of the sisters, right? So, oh, they're so, great. Yeah. I mean, Catherine Isabel, who's gone on to be uh, just a staple, you know, final girl type horror film actor, and then also Emily Perkins, who plays her sister Bridget. I mean, they're perfect together. Yeah. And in fact, going back to Karen uh, Walton, she has said that when they finally, because it took a long time to get those two casts. They were two of the last two auditioned, but writer Karen Walton has said that when she saw their audition tape, she said, those two are exactly who I was envisioning with these characters, so boom. And yep. they, they're, they're perfect at it. Not only the way they work together, but the way they antagonize each other sure. when one is going in a yeah. different direction. Yeah. That's a great conflict. Yeah, which again goes right back to the the central metaphor which is, you know, it's like these two sisters, they are outcasts, they really have only each other. One of them suddenly is moving on. Yeah. She's adulthood is calling. <laughs> um and she's suddenly attractive to to boys and yeah. the other one, you know, not there yet. So yeah. it is it's uh it's just so well done. And also Mimi Rogers. There we who go. Plays That's the mom. what we were talking right. about. Yeah, the mom character is just priceless. Yes. She's perfect. She's all sweater around the neck and if it was a thing back then, she'd be all Pinterest. Oh yeah. And she'd be making her list and everything's just domestic and nice and these girls want nothing to do with no. it. No. It's hilarious. It is. It's it's just it's perfect. Her performance is so great and the way that it's worked into the dynamic of the two girls who are going through this, which of course when you are an adolescent girl, whatever you're going through is so much bigger than anything your mom could ever understand. <laughs> uh, which is another thing they get perfectly. And you know, the other thing, there are two sequels to this that are not nearly as good, but they are they're good. They're yeah. quite worth watching. Yeah, especially as horror sequels yes, go. Yeah. yeah, very much so. And as you can tell, we've already talked about three of them, but the whole thing, the whole movie really succeeds with well-established characters, yeah. which is going to drive any movie. I don't care if it's horror yep. or whatever. Yep. We just talked about, uh, you know, the, the Creed 2 just came out, and it fights through its melodrama with well-established characters. So fights could, through it. Look at you. Why, man, well, you, you said periodically, so I can say fights through when talking about a boxing movie. But no, that just shows you how how much you can overcome. And it's not like Ginger Snaps has a lot to overcome, but it's so it's so important 
to driving a movie. You get those well-established uh, characters, and, man, you're already halfway home. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier about the male view, uh, the male gaze. And, and so when Ginger gets a period, she gets bitten by a werewolf, she becomes hot, right? The, the boys start to notice her. She becomes hot. And what I love about this movie is that then when she turns into a werewolf, she's still like she's hot. It really turns that on. It's because she's 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 hairy. She's nasty. Yeah. And yet she still carries herself the way she does when she's the hot girl. And I, I like that because what I think it does is subverts that male gaze. Well, that shouldn't be surprising to you because you've admitted many times that you like the zombie Michael Jackson. I'm not like other guys. Better <laughs> than regular Michael Jackson. And I was very fond of regular Michael Jackson. <laughs> Just like we are very fond of this movie. And uh, yeah, well, the, the perfect, perfect metaphor for what we're talking about this week, number two, Ginger Snaps. And that means only one Movie could beat it, and you probably know yeah, by you now, but do. that's okay. It's the story of a shy, friendless teenage girl who is sheltered by her domineering religious mother, unleashing her telekinetic powers after being humiliated by her classmates. From 1976, the classic Carrie. So that scene right there has got to be one of the ultimates in mean girl cinema. Oh, I think so. And it's just become an iconic line. Just plug it up, plug it up, and Edie McClurg is right there. Yeah, she part is. Of it. Uh, and, of course, P.J. Souls. Your favorite. And uh, <laughs> everybody else in that scene. But, uh, of course, this is going to be number one. Because oh, right. Because it's mean and it's humiliating and it gives you sympathy for the character yep. and why are they picking on her right. and of course it's going to get worse yeah but it establishes right there that she's got such a you know an oppressive home life right and then she's got a bad life at school yeah i mean the performance is absolutely brilliant sissy space oh, yeah how fearless how i mean her her performance in that movie is well it, it earned her an oscar nomination yeah both she and piper laurie yeah. both yeah. were nominated for oscars yeah uh, and 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 it also i mean it's a, it's an important scene it's it's not thrown in there for no reason and and it's one this is one of the films one of many films horror films that's really based on this hyper sort of fear of uh, budding female sexuality. Mm -hmm. And in the case of this, which was also Stephen King's first novel, you know, it's that moment that she finds her power. And that is terrifying to everybody around her, of course, because eventually they all bleed quite a bit. They bleed and burn. Um, <laughs> and I think that the way that De Palma, I mean, it's funny, The and I've said this before, he films a lot of this movie like a tampon ad. He really does. <laughs> he does, especially He's, that yes, scene. Yeah, that scene. And then, honestly, the scene at the end where the hand comes out, the yeah. dream that Amy yeah. Irving has. Yeah. It's it's like all cheesecloth mm -hmm. and flowery music, and that's, uh, and that's how this starts off. And, of course, it turns to something so awful. And they did, at the same time, uh, film a PG-13 version of that scene with towels. So they're oh. already thinking that they could show it when they could show it on TV. Wow. Which is done a lot sure. with, with some lines. But, yeah, uh, they were already kind of uh, toning it down. But when they filmed the scene... Because you can't, listen, you, can't, you can't have the movie without that scene. Oh, exactly yeah, right. you can't. And when they were filming it, uh, Brian De Palma uh, told Sissy Spacek the, the reaction he was looking for when she begins bleeding was that she'd been hit by a truck. 
Oh. That's what he was looking for. So then, after hearing that, CC Spacek talked to her husband, Jack Fisk, who was an art director, because he had been hit by a car as a child. <laughs> he was looking at Christmas lights in a neighbor's yard and got hit by a car. So then, used that, used his uh, description of what it felt like to get that perfect reaction. She's terrified. She doesn't know no. what's going on. She thinks on. she's going to die. Because her mother has never told her no. those things. Right. And she just wants someone to help her. And then, and then her reaction, I mean, to see... I think she thinks she's dying, and, yeah. and and they hate her so much, they're just going to laugh at her. It's an awful, really well done, but it's such a moving and terrible scene. And in one of the many interviews that uh, Stephen King has given about the inspiration, he said that Carrie was actually inspired by uh, two girls that he knew in school, and one was a very peculiar girl, but not because she had an overly religious mom. It was because her mom was a sweepstakes nut who subscribed to magazines for people who entered contests huh. and just was just concentrated on that and didn't really pay attention to her daughter. And I guess the girl had like one change of clothes oh, through the whole and everybody made fun of her. And that was one of the girls that went into the composite of that character. So that's weird to be a sweepstakes nut. Yeah, that's kind of weird. You but, know, I, I, and um, there are so many films where the pivotal sort of moment of horror comes at the idea of sort of the onset of adulthood for for girls. That, for some reason, has fostered a lot of terror in men who write horror films. But one of the things that this movie gets right that I don't know that Stephen Kidd could possibly understand is this absolute nightmare that all girls have that they are going to bleed in front of their classmates. Mm -hmm. Because And it would be worse today because somebody would film it and that would be your celebrity for the rest of your life. But it is. It is a constant fear of girls everywhere that that this is going to be my public humiliation. And and boy does it happen perfectly in this movie. It's no no slam to the talent of Stephen King, but I'm guessing he that was an accident. Yeah. Uh, I probably wasn't tuned into that. No, probably not. But uh, now that the, the fact that you say that, I can oh, I can definitely see oh, that yeah. that would be. Yeah. Yeah, because you're probably already, I don't know how, I mean once a young girl is told that that's what's going to happen here soon, is do you just want to get it over with or what? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So It's not to, something you celebrate, no. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> you don't have like a bat mitzvah or something? Um, no. Okay. That's very understandable that it could play off of those, a fear of not, not just being humiliated in public, but humiliated that way oh, yeah. in public. Yes. Especially because for this character, like we just said, she doesn't know. No. What's she thought going she was on. dying. Yeah. And um, it comes from, of course, the fact that her uh, mom. Just uh, another, that's a thing, man, the moms. Yeah. They're very important. Yeah. And Piper Laurie, we've talked about her performance several times because it's, it's just so great. Oh, my God. It's so great. And I didn't realize until just recently when she made this movie, I don't think she had done anything since The Hustler. She had been on the beach for, well, be 15 years. The Hustler came out in 60 or 61, and this was 76. She had just been out huh. of, of films anyway for huh. that long. And then she comes back, and even though she really wasn't that much older, uh, no, well, she, Sissy Spacek was a lot was older, older yeah. than the That's character. Yeah, that is true. Um, but she didn't look it. I mean, she she pulls off an innocent 18-year-old there, 17-year-old very well. Yeah, she really does. But, um, you know, we saw the remake, and, of course, we love Julianne Moore. Love her. Oh, yeah. But you cannot touch the performance of Piper Laurie and uh, what it means to this movie. Yeah. And Sissy Spacek, too. The way they interact together. It's oh, just yeah. It's just perfect. Oh, yeah, it is. But uh, that's got to be, because of that iconic scene, plug it up, the number one... <laughs> 
on our list of menstruation horror, uh, Carrie from 1976. So, did we miss any? Are you a fan of alien tampon? We would... <laughs> We would like to hear about that. Are you a fan of Tonight She Comes? And I don't mean the Cars song, uh, which I'm not a fan of. <laughs> is anyone really? It was a hit somehow. But uh, let us know. Uh, always the best way to do that is on Twitter. Fright Club Pod. At Fright Club Pod is where we are. And you can also find us uh, on the main website for madwolf.com. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And uh, Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. So we already talked about next edition of Fright Club Live. So we're going to be back at Gateway Film Center, Columbus, Ohio, our home away from home as we watch Man Bites Dog. That's right. And then after that, it'll be the best film, the best horror films of 2018. Oh, it's my. It's December. Jeez Louise, it is. Uh, well, there's some good ones. Yeah. And we talked about how much we don't like that uh, Vogue article. Right. Uh, so we can definitely have a chance to get into more detail and rebut it. That's right. Plus, we get to see uh, the house that Jack's built this week. Oh, so. we do. Yeah. And Looking. also, there's another one coming out. The um, the uh, exorcism of... Um, the possession uh, of Sarah Grace. Okay, yeah. We're, I don't know. That kind of came out of left field. I hadn't heard much about that. Yeah, I don't have high expectations. But that comes but out maybe. in a few days. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll let you know. Yep. So uh, keep in contact if you can. Uh, we appreciate, as always, you listening and interacting. Love to hear from you, Fright Clubbers. Thanks, as always, to Golden Spiral Media for hosting the Fright Club podcast. And just a tip, we were talking about some of the other movies. We mentioned Creed Creed. that just came out. Uh, We invite you to check out our other podcast called The Screening Room, which uh, every week reviews all the new movies that come out, all the new releases in In theater and home entertainment. And in home videos. So uh, we do that every week, and we'd love you to check that out. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts or on our main website, madwolf.com. So... Uh, Until we talk again, please get in touch. And she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends.